We are studying from 1 Chronicles 28. So turn there, 1 Chronicles 28. And before we begin in that passage, I want to begin by telling you about something that was found. In 2014, repairmen were fixing a water leak at the Massachusetts State House. And as they were repairing that building, they discovered a brass box. And what was inside of that brass box astounded them. The box had actually been placed in the cornerstone of that courthouse all the way back, way back in 1795. And it was placed in that cornerstone by none other than Paul Revere and Samuel Adams. Can you imagine that? Finding this box that was placed by these historical figures, these repairmen, just looking in it. And what they found were documents and and a medal, and it said it had the image of the general of the American army, George Washington, and a silver plaque in honor of Samuel Adams, and all kinds of historical documents. Isn't it fascinating? Wouldn't it be nice to find something like that in your house? You know, we might find something like this here. But a time capsule. And the idea of a time capsule has always fascinated me because what it is is that it's people from a remote time sending a message to a future generation. And when you look at the past, and it's all about the past, the present, and the future, and it's this message, it's this letter that the past is sent, and it's like this surprise. All of a sudden, you have this message from the past that makes you reassess what you think you know. Time capsules are letters that arrive hundreds of years later from ancestors. You know, one day, we will be considered ancestors. Yeah, they'll look back and say, my ancestor laws, because we do that today. We look back in our, into our genealogies, don't we? Ancestors, or the ancestors of this church. Well, remember back in 2018, our fathers and mothers of the faith did this or did that. But what message are we sending We have been entrusted as God's church to preserve the message of the apostles, the testimony of the apostles. It says of the church that it is the pillar and ground of the truth. And it's the job of the church to preserve the truth and to send that message out in its own time. And not only in its own time, but also to future generations. We have been charged to convey the truth, not only to ourselves and to our present day, but also to the future. Listen to this. Someone once said, children, children are the living messages we send to a time we will not see. And no matter who you are, whether you have children or not, 
we have the responsibility to send these letters to the future. And today we have a lot of letters sitting in this room, don't we? We have a lot of messages that we're going to be sending into the future, into a distant time when me and you won't be there. And it's so very vital and important to make sure as a part of that message that we're sending the message of the gospel into the future. Isn't it? In fact, there was a time in the book of Judges where it says this of the people of Israel in Judges 2, 7 and 9. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great works of the Lord which he had done in Israel. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. You know, when we really think about it, we could be one generation away from the knowledge of Christ not existing in the world. Just as the knowledge of God in the book of Judges, another generation arose that did not know the Lord. Think about how scary that is. Think about how scary it is that the golden rule dies with this generation. Think about if thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself dies with this generation. Think if love your enemies, pray for your enemies, dies with this generation. It's so very important for the next generation to have that truth and the power of youth. The power of youth and one of the powers of youth is the ability to learn. Children learn and they don't even have to try. In my day now, I have to really work at learning. You know, it, it's kind of true that old dog, it's hard to trick an old dog new tricks. I can't learn the new tricks anymore. Sometimes it's hard for me to even bend over. That's not that bad. <laughs> but children can learn. In fact, they say at 18 months, get this, that a child learns one word every two hours. And we wonder why they say those words we don't want them to say. Well, it just, it just absorbs in their brain, into their mind. And by the age of six, kids know 13,000 words. That's powerful, isn't it? That time is so special, so important, so crucial for them to hear the right words. Because it's going to be in their minds and in their hearts and in their lives. In fact, it says of children that are three to eight, that half of the calories that they consume, which is generally about 860, half of those calories go straight to the brain. Because the brain is so active during that time, all the energy has to go to the brain so it can continue to learn, continue to grow. Children have the capacity to learn in such a profound way. It's so important to teach them the gospel. Also, think about this. How important is time itself? When we look at the faces that are in this auditorium today, there is time with the others, with the children. Time we will not see. There's a story about D.L. Moody. And one of the things that interests me about it is because sometimes when we, my wife and I and daughter go to a restaurant, 
They ask us how many. And so we usually say something like this, two and a half, right? And I hope that that gives me some kind of discount, but it usually doesn't. But two and a half, right? Well, D.L. Moody went and had a, a, a revival, and he came back with the report that he had two and a half conversions. And so some person asked, they said, well, was that two adults and one child? And he said, no, two children and one adult. He said, the children gave their whole lives. The adult only had half of his left to give. Think about how profound and powerful that is, that when a child gives their life to the Lord, they have a lifetime ahead of them to follow Him. And that's not to say that if you are late comer to Christ that you shouldn't come to the Lord. But the point is, a child has time to dedicate to the Lord. And so think about how crucial and important that is. And also just think about the energy that children have, the enthusiasm, the zeal. Because of the purity of their hearts, they believe things so deeply and so sincerely. You know, they once said about children, if it wasn't for children asking questions that we would never know how little we adults know. That energy, that enthusiasm, that curiosity is so needed. So today, when we think about this story in 1 Chronicles 28, you say, well, what does that have to do with, with the children? Because what it has to do with is that David had in his heart to build the temple. It was in his heart to build the house of the Lord. But when he talked to the Lord about it, God said, it's not for you. It's not your work. Because you have shed so much blood, the work is going to be to your son. And it says in 1 Chronicles 28, it is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts. There is work that needs to be done that's actually not for us. It's for our children. It's for the youth. It's for the ones who are with us. So when we think about the importance of passing the torch, of giving that knowledge of the gospel, I have just a few lessons, a few points for you this morning. Number one, if we are going to pass the torch to the next generation, that message of hope, that message of truth, that message of Christ, that means, number one, the home is important. Think about how important the home is to conveying that truth to children. The home is the first school a kid will ever be in. The home is the first church a kid will ever be in. The home is the first community that a child will ever live in. So how important is it for the home to be a place of love and care? In Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 9, when God declares, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Then it translates into this. And these words which I command you, that you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them while you sit, while you walk, while you lie down, when you rise up. That the home is to be a place of instruction, of teaching. A lot of times we talk about the Great Commission. 
The Great Commission is that command that Jesus gave His disciples to go preach the gospel throughout all the world and through all the nations. But you know what? That commission, that command begins where? Begins in the home. The Great Commission begins right where we're at. It begins in our homes and with our children. It, you, it can say, go into your homes and preach the gospel to your children. And really, the home is the bridge between religious obligation and social obligation. And when you look at the Ten Commandments, in Exodus chapter 20, when you look at the Ten Commandments, you will find the first commandments that are our obligation to God, not have any gods, idols. And then right in the middle, it has honor thy father and mother. The home is the center point of the Ten Commandments. It's right in the middle of what we owe God and what we owe each other. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not covet. And it's important for marriages to have God's love and to have God's truth in them. The importance of the home. Number two, the importance of the church. The church must support the work of the home. We must pass the truth to the next generation. Well, how do we do it? How do we do it as a church? How do we pass the torch? Number one, we got to be passionate. We have to care. And that's really where that first command comes. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart. If you love God, you're going to be passing that to the next generation. They will know that passion. They will feel that passion. They will understand that passion for God. Another great way to pass the truth to the next generation is to show them how practical it really is. Is it practical to not go around stealing? Oh, it is. Is it practical to, to read God's Word and the wisdom that's within it and to enact that into our lives? It's a practical gospel. And guess what? It works. When it says that we are to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, that works. And children learn that very quickly, don't they? That's why in 1 Chronicles 28, that David, he says, The Lord made me understand in writing. By His hand was upon me all the works of these plans. David said, God gave these plans to me of the temple in writing. And just as God gave him the plans for the temple, he gives us the plans of our life for how we are to construct our lives. And we're to pass that on. Another way that we can pass this on to children is to give them our own personal testimony as to what God has done for us. Sometimes that's scary. That's scary for me. Because when I look back into my past, I see a lot of graveyards. I see a lot of mistakes. I see a lot of things that I should have gotten right. And you know what? I don't want to tell my child all of the mistakes that I made. And I ask God to give me wisdom on how to frame that and how to tell her, this is what I did. Don't do it. But the fact of the matter is that even though I've made these mistakes, God has carried me through them. God has forgiven me. God has worked in my life. God has made something of a mess. And now I have a message for her. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Telling our own story about how God has affected us, how God has worked in our life is so powerful. And it makes an impact on a child, on a student. Another way that we can translate this message is to give them the principles of God's Word. And really, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to be loaded up on principles. Principles that apply into all different areas of life. I've told this before, but I was one time dealing with an ethical conundrum in my own life in a business dealing. And I was reading the Sermon on the Mount. I was meditating on the Sermon on the Mount, and it had nothing to do with what I was going through, what I was contemplating. But by reading the Sermon on the Mount, it gave me an idea that I was wrong, and I needed to get it right. Not because it said specifically, hey, laws, don't do that. But by the very nature and character of the principles that Jesus is talking about, it convicted me of sin that I was doing or was potentially going to do in business. That's how powerful the message of God's Word is, that when you read it, it applies. It applies. It'll work. Also, a way that we can encourage young people is to invite them to participate Participate in worship. Participate in service. If you want to know what it feels like to help someone, that begins to change the heart of anybody. Not to mention a child. If you begin to serve in small ways, in big ways, in any way, participating conveys that message of truth. Also, Good old-fashioned praising our children for doing something good. Praising young people for doing something good. If they want to know the Bible, if they want to go to church, that's something to be commended and applauded and praised. We'll praise them for all kinds of stuff, for kicking the, the winning goal. But how about coming to church? How about wanting to go to Bible study? What a wonderful thing to praise our children and young people. And lastly, the way that we can help our next generation is to pray for them. To pray for their lives, to pray for their decisions, to pray for what's before them. Because there's so much of our life that we have control of and then there's a whole bunch we don't. And to turn that over to God, to pray to Him to help them. To pray to Him to help them with the things that are out of our hands. And isn't that tough? But to let God have it. The importance of the home, the importance of the church, and then lastly, the importance of right now. When you're dealing with children, when you're dealing with youth, it only comes around once, doesn't it? It only comes around once. I wish I could go back. But it only comes around once, and so the importance of right now will never get it back. This is the time to do something. In the words of Frederick Douglass, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. It's easier to get it right now. To give foundation, to give support, to give strength, to give truth, to give love than to try to come back years later and to try to do it once time has moved on. 
And that's why in 1 Chronicles 28, 20, that David, he says to his son, Be strong and of good courage and do not uh, fear or be dismayed. May God be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. David encouraged his son to obey now. You know what? Our own church here has been touched many times by the work that was done years before. Time capsules of blessing have come to this church because this church worked with youth. We get blessed today. In fact, this past week, we had a gentleman come to us and offer to support a children's ministry because he was once a child in this building. Because he was once baptized in this baptistry. Because someone actually loved him. And now there's a time capsule of blessing coming to this church saying, do something for young people. Do something for children. Do something for kids. Because you know what? My life was touched by this church. We can do that today. We can resolve to do that within our homes, within this church. And may God grant us the wisdom and the opportunities to continue to minister to young people. There's a little poem that I think says it pretty well. An old man going a lone highway came at the evening cold and gray to a chasm vast and deep and wide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen stream had no fear for him, but he paused when safe on the other side and built a bridge to stem the tide. Old man, said a fellow pilgrim near, you are wasting your strength by building here. Your journey will end with the closing day. You will never again pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build you this bridge at eventide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I've come, he said, there followeth after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that's been as naught to me, to the fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I am building this bridge for him. This church has to resolve. We as parents have to resolve. We as adults, we as leaders have to resolve to look back. And even though we may not cross that chasm again, we have to build bridges for the youth and those who come after us. That's the job we have as His church and as His kingdom. And you know, it was actually a son who came to give us hope. God's son, wasn't it? That not only did God promise through David that your son would, would build the temple, but God sent His son to build His church. And He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that church is here today. A faithful church trying to serve God in this place with humility and love. Are you a part of that kingdom? The Bible says very simply that if you want to walk with God, it begins in faith. 
For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That when you hear God's Word spoken, it begins to work and impact in your life. And that when you see the truth of reality, see the truth of a God above and in His Son and His Holy Spirit, it turns you from your sins. Because when you know that there is a loving God, you will do anything you can to be with Him. Because it's through Him that we have life and love and gifts and blessings and everything that's good. To turn from sin, to confess Christ, to be the Son of the living God, and to be immersed, baptized into His body, the church. Or maybe this morning, you feel that the letter that you're sending to the future doesn't need your name on it. That you need to change the letter. You need prayers of encouragement, prayers of healing. Whatever your need is this morning, we're going to sing this next song, number 23, to encourage you to come forward. If you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.